0: Compass Media Networks. This is America's First News. This weekend with your host, Gordon Deal. The struggle for adolescent boys. I'm Gordon Deal with Jennifer Koshenka. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. Here's what's coming up this hour.
1: Experts say the focus lately on making education more equitable to girls has resulted in less attention paid to boys. We'll examine what's happening.
0: If you're dragging your luggage out of the basement for your first trip in a while this holiday season, we'll have a survival guide.
1: How looking the part can boost your job prospects. Research indicates certain accessories for specific positions are helpful.
0: And why the secret filming of your opponent in sports is so hard to prove.
2: In terms of just the general, hey, people looking for an edge, people sign stealing, hiding in dark places, looking for information, that that kind of thing has gone on for a long time.
0: Dan Wolkin at USA Today on how spying isn't limited to just Michigan football. Well, there's a disconnect between a relatively good economy and dismal consumer attitudes. Rick Newman, senior columnist at Yahoo Finance, says it's one that's puzzled economists. Rick, your read on this.
3: This has been the case for, I think you can say, two years. The Biden economy has been pretty good, except for one thing that you and I have talked about many times, which is inflation. Yes, inflation is too high. It got as high as 9 percent in 2022. It's back down. It's now around 3.2 percent, which is not something people would ordinarily notice very much, except that all those price hikes – from when inflation was higher, are still there. But other things are, are are actually quite good. I mean, the job market has been fantastic. We have low unemployment. Biden is correct when he says we've ha- had the most job growth of any president ever since Biden took office. And yet when you look at consumer confidence surveys and other um, uh, measures of um, consumer psychology, people are com- extremely gloomy. I mean, uh, the Michigan Consumer Confidence Index is At at levels that are consistent with a recession. They're almost as low as during the financial crash in uh, 2008 and 2009. And we're not even in a recession. I mean, that Mm -hmm. was almost a depression. And people feel almost as bad now as they did then. So economists have been trying to figure this out. Is this really because inflation is so scarring? Does it uh, generate this sort of traumatic? sensitivity among people as-
0: we're speaking with rick newman senior columnist at yahoo finance his piece is called why americans are more bummed out than ever even though the economy is relatively good i don't know what what about other factors like uh you know there are two wars going on you know at least right now um you know you referenced uh, inflation uh, you know i don't know just do shootings factor into this uh the, you know the, the political nastiness emanating from capitol hill i I don't know, does any of that factor in at this particular moment in time?
3: I don't I don't think anybody really knows. I mean, this is the thing that everybody's trying to figure out, and there's a, a distinction here between what you would might call soft data, which is surveys and things like that that show how people feel about how the way things are, and the hard data that shows us how the economy is actually performing. That's the unemployment rate, the inflation rate, the GDP growth rate, I mean, we, we've had terrific GDP growth. The economy's growing, and yet people don't seem to appreciate the things that are going right. So some of this, um, this idea that we're just surrounded by so much more uh, negative news, I mean, this does ring true, Gordon, right? I mean, for those of us who are old enough to remember what it was like before the Internet, uh, I'm, uh, I'm old enough to remember that. Yep. Um, you, didn't, you didn't have a smartphone in your pocket that gave you news, news alerts or social media alerts okay. every minute telling yeah. you here, here's something bad that just happened. Here's something else bad that just happened. Mainly, you just got your news. If you got any news at all, you got it during a half hour in the morning and, or, and a half hour at night when you either watched the the news on TV or you read the, the newspaper, mm-hmm. but it wasn't all around us. And, um, I, you know, part of the theory here is that most of the news does skew negative. I I think that's fair to say is true. I, as, as somebody in the media, yep. yes, I think that it, you know that that makes sense. So it, there is, and um, you know, Moody's Analytics did provide some data showing this that people in the Michigan Confidence Survey, which goes back to 1978, the portion of people saying they are getting more negative news about things like. Employment and inflation is a lot higher now than it was, even in the 1980s when inflation was actually worse hmm. than it was than wow. it than it got uh, recently. Inflation was worse in the early 1980s, but fewer people said they were hearing bad news about inflation. So we are surrounded by bad news; it hits us at every angle, all day long, and it does seem to be affecting how we feel about things.
0: I feel, to a certain extent, uh, injecting my own opinion here that. We're, we're to a certain extent in a phase of our lives where we are still in the learning process of how to digest and filter social media notifications.
3: <laughs> uh, I think that's fair to say, but it's not as if social media is going away or digital news is going away. I mean, we're just going to get more of it. Now yeah, we no, have artificial intelligence come on, mm-hmm. coming online. I mean, I think if this is a phase of, uh, of our lives, some of us could live our whole lives in this phase, right?
0: Thanks, Rick. Rick Newman, senior columnist at Yahoo Finance. Hey, everyone, it's Gordon Deal here to talk about some of the most fun you can have if you love sports, and that's with Prize Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. You pick more than or less than on a handful of player projections and watch the winnings roll in. For example, mix and match football and basketball. Maybe your entry is Christian McCaffrey for more than 99 yards rushing and Jason Tatum for fewer than eight rebounds. If you know your stuff, you can turn 10 bucks into two hundred fifty dollars. With just a few taps, my friends and I love it. To get started and have your first deposit matched up to $100, go to prizepicks.com/deal and use code DEAL. Also, if a player you pick gets injured and leaves the game, PrizePicks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Your player is rebooted. PrizePicks.com/deal and use the code DEAL. That's prizepicks.com/deal. And the code DEAL. Again, prizepicks.com slash DEAL and code DEAL. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. Middle school has become high stakes. Students who have fallen behind by 8th grade are less likely to succeed in high school and graduate on time. Some families have decided that spending on tutors, skills coaches, and occupational therapists is worth it for better grades, boosted confidence and self-advocacy, even if the monthly tab runs into the thousands of dollars more from Julie jargon, columnist at the wall street journal, Julie set this
4: up.
5: Yeah. So I looked at how middle school boys are doing, drawing from my own experience as the mother of a 13 year old boy and talking to a lot of other parents and educators about what is going on with middle school boys. Why can't they turn in their homework on time? Uh, why are their backpacks in mess? There's a lot going on with middle school boys and, uh, Parents are realizing that, you know, the the world has become a more competitive place when it comes to college admissions, and there's a lot riding on uh, kids at this age uh, because it is a transitional time in school where grades start to matter. And uh, being, being disorganized, lacking focus are all things that can make school much more difficult for boys as they progress into high school and beyond. And so I looked at what parents are doing about this and a lot of parents are kind of panicked and wanting to catch their boys up to speed after COVID-related learning losses and other issues. And so they're spending a lot of money hiring private tutors and academic coaches and people to help them with executive functioning skills, all that good stuff.
0: Boy, somebody uh, in your story said less attention has been paid to boys lately. How come?
5: Well, there's this thought that a lot of focus has been placed on girls and making sure girls feel that they have all the resources they need to succeed and excel in school. And and that's been going on for a long time. And now we're at a point where, you know, females outnumber males on many college campuses and uh, are ahead of boys, uh, which has been the case for a long time when it comes to reading scores. And uh, there's the feeling that, that boys have been a little bit left behind and that there hasn't been as much attention paid to how they're doing in school and making school kind of friendly to their needs and part of the reason is a lot of the things that benefited boys in school like having male teachers having you know recess just the opportunity to get up and move around and get their energy out those things have dwindled as well as some of the hands-on vocational type of activities like woodshop that aren't available in a lot of schools anymore
0: She's oh, we're speaking with julie jargon columnist at the wall street journal her piece is called boys are struggling it can take coaches tutors and thousands a month to fix that uh, you, you touched on in your piece uh, kind of the roots of boys problems what are they
5: yeah so so in addition to some of the things that aren't in schools anymore um like like recess or other breaks to get up and move around and and the lack of male teachers there's also a lot of technology which has created a distraction for all students. But, you know, during COVID everybody's tech use increased and it really hasn't died off yet. And then when it comes to school, you know, kids are taking their Chromebooks from class to class and a lot of kids are looking at YouTube when they're supposed to be paying attention to the teacher and, and for boys who feel like school isn't, you know, giving them what they need, you know, they're expected to sit still and, Pay attention and be quiet for most of the day, which is hard for, you know, a lot of kids. But especially younger boys, they get home and they, they want to play video games and let off some steam, and that can kind of create this vicious circle where they're, you know, they're so busy playing video games and getting wrapped up in other things that it makes uh, doing homework and studying for tests feel really slow paced and boring and not as rewarding.
0: Yeah. So what do we do? How do we address this?
5: Yeah, it's a complicated um, and big issue, and the uh, topic of, a, of an upcoming column of mine is going to be looking at what some schools are doing about this, um, you know, and, and so, so for parents, they're, they're hiring these experts parents who can afford to do so, are hiring people to help their boys become more organized, to become more focused, and to help increase their confidence, because the idea is that if you increase someone's confidence, they feel more motivated. If they feel like they're not doing well in school, it's hard to get the motivation to, to do well. Um, So there's that part, and then uh, the next piece is what what can schools do? How can they make uh, things in school more friendly to boys without making it, you know, not friendly to everybody else? So that's going to be something I'm looking at for another column.
0: Thanks, Julie. Julie Jargon, columnist at The Wall Street Journal. By the way, some educators are tackling the problem with all-boys middle schools or boy-friendly practices and free tutoring in co-ed schools. From security cameras to permanent TV cameras to cameras used for tracking technology, a coach can easily access a stream or video of whatever is happening in his arena with one or two clicks on a laptop. That makes for rampant opportunities to cheat. Here's this weekend's Jennifer Koshenka.
1: Those sports spying scandals have been attached to football, most recently Michigan football. There's actually been a long tradition of spying in college hoops. We get the story from Dan Wolken, columnist at USA Today. Dan, let's recap the football situation first. Was anyone you talked to surprised about what happened at Michigan this year?
2: Yeah, not really. Uh, obviously, the extent to which it was going on was, I think, surprising to a lot of people because nobody had really gone to the lengths of Connor Stallions creating this sort of network of friends and people who were going to stadiums across the country, spying on other teams' sidelines. It's just a massive effort, uh, cost, all of those things. You you typically just wouldn't see people go to that extreme, but in terms of just the general, hey, people looking for an edge, people sign-stealing, hiding in dark places, looking for information. That, that kind of thing has gone on for a long time.
1: Dan, you talk about how difficult this was in football, but your article points out it's a lot easier in college basketball. What has gone on?
2: Well, it's interesting in, in college basketball because pretty much, I think, unlike a lot of uh, sports or football, uh, other things, you actually have practices in your home stadium for visiting teams. Uh, every team, when they go on the road, they get 90 minutes uh, to get used to the gym, to to shoot, to practice, to do whatever they want to do. Usually, because practice time's limited during the season, coaches will want to get a good run in, a good practice in the day before a game. And these stadiums, especially these days, are just equipped with cameras everywhere. You've got security cameras. You've got you know network cameras uh, for broadcasting on television. You've got cameras that are associated with tracking technology uh, that uh, you know measures how far players are running and and where the shots are coming from, those kinds of things. So uh, pretty much these days, if if you want to spy on somebody, you just do it with a click of a laptop. So I think a lot of coaches in basketball, especially now, are paranoid about going into a gym and, and you know running plays or running their offense or showing a, a lineup change or you know anything that, that might give an opponent some information they could use to their advantage.
1: We're speaking with Dan Wilkin, columnist at USA today. Dan knowing what the offense is going to do in football seems like a pretty big advantage, but it doesn't seem like it would be such an advantage in basketball.
2: Yeah, so basketball is a little bit more of a sport where you know, you're running sets, you're running concepts, and plays break down all the time. You end up sometimes just needing a guy to to go make a play to beat his man one on one because something will break down. Uh, that that is very common in basketball. But there is also situations like out of bounds plays. Uh, they call them you know, sort of specialty plays in college basketball or or any level of basketball where you're you're designing a specific action to get a certain kind of shot. And, you know, you do it from the baseline, you do it from the sideline. Um, You know, that's why coaches call timeouts, right, to to sort of draw up these plays. And all of those plays have have some signals associated with them, you know, hand signals or verbal signals. So, you know, if you had all of your opponents out-of-bounds plays, just as an example, you knew what they were going to do uh, to try to get a basket from, you know, the baseline out-of-bounds set, then it would potentially help you be able to defend it and could possibly save you a couple points. Basketball games are, are close, you know, a couple baskets here or there. Maybe you, you steal a win or two that you shouldn't have had. So that's why people are paranoid about it, uh, even though it's certainly not the same kind of advantage you would gain from knowing the signals in football.
1: So, Dan, do we think this has been going on for quite some time in college basketball?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I've, I've talked to coaches who've suspected it, you know, I talked to you know, a guy named Tom Penders who coached for a long time, Texas and uh, Rhode Island, University of Houston. Uh, he said that you know, he, he had been uh, filmed, his teams had been filmed during practice before and, and uh, that people had admitted it to him after the fact. And so, you know, he, he would go try to run fake plays.
0: That's this weekend's Jennifer Koshenko with USA Today sports columnist Dan Wolken. Coming up next, a survival guide for holiday travelers. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle-Made bed sheets. Miracle-Made uses silver-infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermoregulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle-Made is self-cleaning, self-cooling, luxurious, eco-friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, try Miracle com Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-Made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, TryMiracle.com slash Gordon. TryMiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-Made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. Hey, thanks for spending part of your weekend here. Gordon Deal with Jennifer Kashenka Coming up this half hour, the latest debate over potatoes. Also, looking the part in a job interview, and quite the story, the rescue dog without paws who's getting boots in time for Christmas. We'll have that story in about 20 minutes. Well, holiday travel season is here, and many people are dusting off their suitcases. For those who haven't traveled in a while, Heading to the airport can seem daunting, but a little planning and some know-how can help make the trip relatively smooth. Insight from Zach Wichter, who writes the cruising altitude column at USA Today. Zach, what should we know?
4: So obviously, the the Thanksgiving sort of demand peak just came and went, uh, and now we're heading into the Christmas and New Year's travel period, um, and those are typically also really busy. Airports can be really crowded around the holidays, um, and yeah, I think. Some of the best things to do when when you're approaching these busy holiday periods are just prepare to be patient. You know, the airports are going to be crowded. Leave yourself extra time when you get there. Uh, to go through security and that sort of thing. Um, It may be a little late now to sort of plan your holiday travel in terms of booking tickets. If you haven't already, you're probably going to be paying a pretty penny for those. Um, But if you are still in the planning stages, it's a good idea to look at earlier-in-the-day flights because those are typically less likely to be delayed Um, and to try to travel on some of the more off-peak days, you know, yourself some padding around the holidays so that you uh, have a um, so that you're not basically traveling with the biggest crowds okay
0: biggest crowds will be when coming up here
4: yes yeah, so it's looking like most people are expected to fly out for their holiday trips on december 21st and 22nd and return on the 28th and 29th so those are going to be your peak travel days if you can avoid those you're probably going to experience less crowding in the airports
0: mm-hmm. I'm speaking with Zach Wichter, travel writer at USA Today. He's written a piece about the best and worst airports to fly and the best days to fly. Um, Generally speaking, you're better off like the smaller regional airports?
4: Uh, Yes and no. So there are definitely, in terms of the crowding, those smaller regional airports are going to be way easier to navigate. Uh, In my experience, though, the drawback to those is because they have fewer flights and because... Airlines typically just have a smaller presence at those regional airports. If something does go wrong, if your flight gets canceled, if there's a weather system in your area, it may be harder to get rebooked uh, if you're at a smaller airport. So it's definitely a a sort of balancing act of do I want to, you know, deal with fewer crowds um, but possibly run into more issues if something goes wrong? Or do I want to put up with crowds uh, and then um, have more flexibility if my flight gets canceled or delayed so so i would say that in those situations it's kind of a matter of personal preference like a pick your poison situation okay
0: and then uh, i mean are we booking weeks out months out to get the best price does that not matter anymore thanks to the internet how does that work
4: yeah i mean obviously uh airfare pricing is always a little bit of a fungible exercise like it's hard to say for sure oh book you know on the Tuesday three weeks before your flight or whatever but um experts are basically saying that uh especially around the holidays the sooner you book the better um you know airlines know that these are high demand periods they know that they can charge premium prices around the holidays and so it's typically good to get out in front of the demand. The sooner you book for the holidays, the more likely you are to get a better deal. If you book two last minute, they'll know that like, oh, this person is probably you know, pretty desperate to travel and we can charge yeah. them a little bit extra for that.
0: And when it comes to uh, any customer service related issues, check your diva attitude in <laughs> your check on luggage, right?
4: Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, everyone in the airport around the holidays is stressed, including the employees. They have a lot of stressed passengers to deal with. And so the nicer you are to them, the nicer you are to your fellow travelers, the smoother the experience is going to be for everyone.
0: Don't open the door when the plane's on the tarmac.
4: No, absolutely do not do that. It is a federal crime.
0: Thanks, Zach. Zach Wichter, who writes the cruising altitude column at USA Today, the U.S. Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee Has a decision to make. Should potatoes be counted as vegetables? It's a debate we'll be hearing as the Departments of Agriculture and Health and Human Services weigh updates to national diet guidelines for 2025. Potatoes could uproot potatoes from the vegetable bin and toss them in with a broader category of rice, other grains and carbohydrates. It's a story by Christina Peterson, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Christina, what's going on?
6: So in truth, this is a long running debate, and I know many families, especially those with children, debate whether potatoes should count as a vegetable, but (laughs) it has new salience right now because the dietary guidelines are being updated. That happens every five years. And the first step of that is that a scientific advisory panel reviews all the recent research and looks at what needs to be changed and one of the things that they're looking at now is whether the five food groups which are fruits vegetables grains dairy and protein make sense the way that foods are categorized among those five different groups and and they are looking at whether people consume carbohydrates that are mostly reflected in the grains category for example some people eat rice with dinner some people eat potatoes some people eat wheat bread so they want to make sure that everyone's getting enough of the important nutrients.
0: Okay, so so vegetables I'm sorry, potatoes are gonna remain a vegetable but a different kind, or they might just find themselves in a new category potatoes.
6: Yeah, we don't really know. Right now, potatoes are considered a starchy vegetable, and the potato industry is very nervous that any kind of potential reclassification of potatoes could align them with grains or other carbohydrates and away from the rest of the vegetable group and, you know, vegetables are considered very virtuous and they are promoted for healthful eating and and pretty importantly, the dietary guidelines are used to shape school meals. And in just in general, the health advice that's given to Americans. So there's concern from the potato industry that potatoes might be labeled something other than a vegetable.
0: Speaking of the potato industry, uh, you spoke to this guy who's uh, the executive director of the Washington State Potato Commission. He did like a two month potato only diet, right? Is, <laughs> what, would, what did he right. find out?
6: I was fascinated to learn that there are many people who have done a diet cons- consisting of solely potatoes. So yes, Chris Voigt, the head of the Washington State Potato Commission, did a sixty-day all-potato diet back in two thousand ten, in protest of a different but kind of similar federal restriction on potatoes at the time. And he he was doing it to make a point. But he said in the process he lost twenty-one pounds, his cholesterol was lowered, and his wife reported. That that he stopped snoring. <laughs> he is not still on an all potatoes diet, but he still does eat a lot of potatoes.
0: Mm-hmm. We're speaking with Christina Peterson, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Her story is called Does That Potato Count as a Vegetable? What qualifies it, I guess, as a vegetable in the first place? Like, uh, you know, what makes it similar to say uh, in a carrot or lettuce or celery?
6: Yeah, I think that's just its botanical classification. And it does have important nutrients um, such as potassium that we need to consume um, to stay alive. The nutritionist that I spoke with cautioned that while the potato itself is healthy, a lot does depend on how we eat it. And in America, we eat a lot of potatoes as French fries. So that does diminish its health benefits to some extent.
0: What do other countries do with potatoes in terms of how they qualify as a food or in a food category?
6: Yeah, so at least in the UK, potatoes are considered a vegetable, but they don't qualify towards the five-a-day recommended recommendation of fruit and vegetable servings. Uh, okay. And this came up in kind of a funny way because there was an episode I think actually several of the British cartoon Peppa Pig, in which singing uh, Super Potato urges children to eat their vegetables. And I spoke with a surprising number of parents who felt that potato is not the best qualified vegetable to be urging children to eat their veg- other vegetables for that very reason that it doesn't really count in the UK as part of your five a day.
0: Thanks, Christina. Christina Peterson, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Dell's holiday event is one of their biggest sales of the year. Shop limited-time deals on laptops like the stylish, innovative XPS 13, engineered to do it all on the Intel Evo platform. Plus, save big on ultra-sharp monitors and top-brand accessories. The perfect time to upgrade any home, business, or gaming setup powered by Intel Core processors. Shop now at dell.com deals to take advantage of huge savings and free shipping on everything. That's dell.com deals. Hey, glad you could be with us. Think appearances don't matter if you're applying for a job online. New research shows that looking the part is very much part of the equation. More from Anne-Marie Chaker, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Anne-Marie, what are we learning?
7: When all things are equal, they have these freelancers have the same qualifications, the same five-star ratings, whatever, certain little things came into play Um resulting from the profile pictures. So for, for instance, in like computer software related jobs, um, the research found that when the applicant had glasses on or when he had a beard or if there was like a computer screen visible in the background, that applicant had a little bit of an edge. In other, the other job category that they looked at was uh, more design oriented jobs, and it found that when the applicant had a more artsy look, or also if it was a female wearing glasses, little things like that again, all things being equal, showed that the applicant had a little bit of
0: an edge. Wow. So, I mean, profile pictures really matter. This is not, you can't just take like some clean photo. Everybody's got a clean photo. There needs to be a little more.
7: Right. So profile pictures up, uh, they do matter and they are everywhere. And it, we had a statistic in the story that you know, more than half of people now have um, some kind of you know, business oriented picture of themselves and these things float around on the internet. Yeah. So it did show that you know, having a professional appearance, um, whatever that means for your industry, you know, does make a difference.
0: Mm. We're speaking with Anne-Marie Chaker, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Her story is called Don't Roll Your Eyes. Looking the part could land you that job. Um, is some of this based on stereotypes, your professional look in your profile picture?
7: Right. Things like race, gender, um, you know, it, these are protected classes. But things like personal appearance, um, Depends on what state you live in. Whether this is something that's protected. So, um, you know, what this study showed was that, you know, there are inherent biases that come into play when employers are looking at, um, at at profile pictures, and um, and uh, it's definitely something to keep in mind yeah. when, uh, as an employer, when you are assessing candidates.
0: So also. With regards to the picture, you referenced that even, you know, yes, glasses might impress somebody, a beard might make someone take notice, but also, like, even some of those details, like, uh, or background, background things.
7: Consultants say that there are, like, you know, certain things that you should do and that you should not do when, uh, when considering a profile picture, and, you know, background can be one of them. Um, obviously, like, you know, keep the background pretty neutral, Um, small touches like a funky lamp or, you know, a computer or things like that in the background are fine, but, you know, (laughs) kids, celebrities, pets, probably not the best thing to put in, uh, in the background, but yeah, it's all of these details can matter and be the thing that pushes you over the edge
0: thanks ann marie ann marie chaker reporter at the wall street journal well we'll finish with this some cases are so awful that dog rescuer katherine lumsden doesn't have the words to express how angry they make her feel one evening in august the founder of Catherine's puppies a shelter in northeastern hong kong received a call about chloe an 18-month-old chihuahua mix and new mother chloe was found by volunteers heavily pregnant and without paw pads or claws on all four of her little legs. It was not an accident. The cost to fix Chloe began adding up, so Ms. Lumsden turned to the shelter's Facebook page to make an appeal. CNN says nearly 30 miles away, Preeti Sharma didn't have to think twice. She took in Chloe and her pups. But to give her the best chance of a comfortable life, they've ordered a special pair of boots for her two front legs, which will arrive from Sweden around Christmas Day, and she may still require a prosthetic. By the way, Ms. Sharma is planning to run about 124 miles in January, that's 200 kilometers, to raise money for Chloe. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Weekend.